the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Well, welcome to Education America, where we are working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Join our conversation. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. And I'm without my wonderful host, Abigail, tonight. She is home with sick children. So we wish Abigail the very best as she nurses her children back to health. But we are very excited because we have a special guest on in our studio, Gina Hinderer. And Gina is a loving mother of four who married her high school sweetheart, which is so sweet. (laughs) Uh, She earned a bachelor's degree in education from the University of Minnesota and was a public school teacher working in first and second grade and as the literacy coordinator for 23 years. You have quite the extensive background, Gina. And Gina loved teaching and was nominated for Teacher of the Year, but recently left after becoming increasingly frustrated by the politics and bureaucracy of public education, you and many others, sadly. She is a dedicated mother of four hockey players and a board member of two youth hockey associations and a current member of the State Hockey Board. She is also politically active in the community and formed the White Bear Lake United in 2020. Gina has kept a very close eye on what is happening in our very own community and is here to help bring awareness to the hot topics at hand as we enter into a new school year and as our school board election comes up this November. So I want to welcome you, Gina, to our show, Education America. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me here today. I really look forward to talking to you as a parent and from the teacher's perspective. That's awesome. That's awesome. And Gina, I got to know you a few years ago Mm -hmm. when we were starting to work on school choice uh, legislation and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed getting to know you. And I I understand that you are a longtime member of the White Bear Lake community, like you grew up there. Well, yep. I grew up in Little Canada. And our first house was in White Bear. And then we moved. And then we moved back now. And we love it. That's great. That's great. That's wonderful. Well, as many of our listeners know, there's been a lot of change in education recently. Mm-hmm. Um, parents, uh, especially in the last couple of years, have started to awaken to the changes that are happening in our schools. But you actually lived it firsthand as a teacher. And the fact that you were part of the I school did. system for 23 years 
And can you tell us a little bit from your perspective, Gina, how that curriculum has really changed and kind of the impact of some of these changes on the classrooms of our children? Yep, I'm happy to do so. Thank you. So so just to start out, I think that parents nowadays really recognize that the state of education has changed. And we're really at a, a, crossword, a crossroad in a way. There's the classical education side where there's the fundamentals of reading and writing and arithmetic. Mm-hmm. But then there's a new, you know, the equity-based philosophy, more of a social engineering where its curriculum is based on fairness and justice and allocating resources mm-hmm. and opportunities. And, and that's great. But in a way that also, in a sense, levels the achievement so that everyone achieves equally. Mm-hmm. And, and that ha- can have some issues. Mm-hmm. So I think really the, the question is, what's our country going to do right now? What are parents going to do? And the answer depends upon each other, possibly. Mm-hmm. But, but just looking at education right now, where I started about 20, well, 23 years ago, I started as a first grade teacher. And I think if we look at the curriculum, like I'm just going to do reading and social yeah, studies. Yeah, yeah. So, Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. Starting, starting with reading, right? Yep, starting with reading. Mm-hmm. And reading was really phonics-based. Phonics- Wait, you're going to compare for us. I just want to clarify yeah. for our listeners. Mm-hmm. You're going to compare for us what it was when you first started teaching Yes. versus what you're seeing now. Correct. Okay, yes. go ahead. Yeah, so reading back then was much more phonics-based. And phonics are really the, the rules of the language. Reading was taught very developmentally, which which you know. I mean, that's yes. what you do yep. at your school. Background, yep. Yeah. And then in 2010, core curriculum was adopted. And really, that was a more one-size-fits-all approach across mm-hmm. the country. Mm-hmm. It's where standards came in. Mm-hmm. And and with that, in reading in particular, it was more the whole language approach. Whole language is more identifying words through literacy. Right. And, and phonics sort of uh, disappeared or just was just a smaller piece of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. And and what happened over time was that the test scores really didn't go up. They actually is, went down. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. with this approach. And mm-hmm. so so since then, four states have abandoned core curriculum, and many districts have gone back to phonics-based curriculum. Mm-hmm. So Which interesting. Yes, yeah, so I think so, too. And, you know, here, here's the interesting thing is last year um, in the bio that we provided or that I provided to you, um, yeah. I, I didn't have all of it in there, but last year I actually taught – there was a situation that happened with my son in White Bear, and I thought rather than complain about it, I'm going to try to be part of the solution. So I went mm-hmm. back to teaching because they need teachers. And so I taught yeah. Title I at a private school, and it was very fascinating to me to see that when I was teaching in the public schools where they had whole language, and then I went to this private school where they had a phonics-based program, when I had kids in my Title I program who were struggling readers at the beginning of first grade, those kids were actually where my first graders ended in whole language. So oh I thought, that was, I thought yes. that was a really... Can you repeat that for listeners? Because sure. this is really important. Not everybody mm-hmm. understands how reading actually works and how le- learning to read actually works. They right. think sometimes that, oh, whatever the school is doing, I'm sure works best. Right. But there are philosophies, and the whole language approach has had... A lot of ups and downs. For some reason, it keeps mm-hmm. coming back, even though it's been demonstrated not to work well. Correct. But so explain really quickly to our listeners again that difference and then what you saw. Sure. Well, phonics, when you, it's the rules of the language. Here's an example. Like mm-hmm. the word elephant. Yeah. Okay. So if it's phonics taught phonetically, 
it's you 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 blend the letters. You know that pH, the rules in the language pH makes the f sound. sound. Okay. Mm -hmm. So and now in whole language, for example, you if someone's you're reading with I'm reading with one of my students and there's the word elephant. That's a big word for a first grader. Yep. So so what we would do in the instruction is say get your mouth ready. You know so they would get ready to make the e and look at the picture for clues or do you see a little word inside that big word? So rather than phonetically spelling it out. They're using clue, mm -hmm. right? It's mm -hmm. and and there's benefits to both, but really they need that foundation of phonics. Absolutely, one hundred percent. and the data is so clear on this. Mm -hmm. There should not be whole language being used in schools today. Right. The lang the the data is so clear. Right. Yeah. So then move to social studies now. There's a developmental scope and sequence to curriculum. Mm -hmm. All right. So in social studies, for example, kindergartners they start with wants and needs, neighborhoods, famous American symbols, and then you work all the way through the curriculum up to world history, geography. And again, this is when it, you, way it used I'm to gonna, be when you first started. Yes, teaching. Yes, huh? and and that still happens now, but there's uh, the curriculum is on a ten year cycle. Mm -hmm. um, social studies is being part of that cycle right now, and there's a series of drafts created by um, Governor Walls, his yep. committee of 36 people, yep. and the new standards are identity-based on race, and they really are replacing factual knowledge. And yeah. I know you've had shows on that, yes, there's so had, much content. Yeah, there. and I would encourage our listeners, if this is new information to you regarding the social studies standards um, drafts, uh, they are about to go before an administrative law judge, and, and it is important for people to go back and listen to those shows. But yes, yes. go ahead. And, yeah. and why should people care? Well, now, with the new standards in kindergarten, for example, instead of wants and needs, here's one of the standards. Kindergartners are required to tell a story about an unfair experience that conveys a power imbalance. So, I, I, for me... <laughs> That's a lot different than yeah. from what it was before, for heaven's right, sakes, isn't right. it? And when I think of a kindergartner, yes. they, you know, even ha as curriculum has changed, they've lost... Mm -hmm. They're much more looking at screens, watching videos, doing worksheets now than they used to be many years ago where they were playing more. And, and that play is so important. Play is so, so important, important to their development. So, yes. so, so this is what's coming. And, and then just to talk about what's here right now, and this is, this is something I want to talk about because it's going to come up a little bit now and then in the next segment too. But, you know, what's already here right now. Teacher shortages. Um, the school boards have changed. You know, yes. they've changed open forums so parents don't have a voice. Yeah. Uh, you, you, I, I, I think almost everybody has experienced the pronoun situation where the mm -hmm. teachers are putting the pronouns at the end or asking kids to identify themselves in their school introduction mm -hmm. as to what their pronoun is. And that's not the that's not coming from the teachers so much though. That is coming from from where? The administration? Is yes. it coming from the state? Is it com where is yeah. that coming from? The state. Yeah. The administration. They Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah and interestingly enough, Matamidi parents actually said no. You know, we don't we don't care what your pro what your pronouns are were and so it doesn't happen there as often as what I've heard. Hmm. Interesting. Um, actually, Abigail had said that so they, the other day. They have the ability to um, influence then the outcome of the administration, which is nice because sometimes, you know, parents think, well, I can't change anything. But mm -hmm. in this case, it sounds like they were able to make some modifications as to how their kids were going to be learning in class. That's a that's a good thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so these are the things that are happening right now. So, hanging politically politically divisive posters you know that 
that's happening out there on White Bear Lake. And I can speak to that because that's where I live and where my son goes. But they have a new policy called Policy 413 this year where students can go into locker rooms of the sex of that they identify as. With um, no questions asked. Do you know what right. the I, – I, I'm not – been familiar with that? What did you call that policy? Policy 413. Okay. And so tell me about how, are there any requirements on that at all? Does this, do these students have to demonstrate through the signing of a mental health expert or somebody that they truly are identifying as a different um, uh, sex or, or not? I know like with the Minnesota State High School League, when they dealt with this a few years ago, mm-hmm. they ended up landing on a place where, you know, students would have to prove really mm-hmm. that they are identifying as another gender. Yep. And there were various ways that they needed to prove that. Um, I don't know if I was the mother of a daughter. I don't know that that would give me any peace of mind if there was a young man walking into her locker room when she's getting dressed. Um, but I would hope that there's some type of, of a focus on determining if these kids really are. Do you know if anything? I believe is that it does. That policy. The policy has about six bullet points. And I believe that that one is on there. Uh-huh. And then I know, too, as I read through it, that I believe if some kids are uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, say a boy goes into a girl's locker room, he the girls, I think, have the right to, to have privacy or to go into some other rooms. And and on that note, what's happened at uh, North Star Elementary, it's, which is a new elementary school in White Bear, what, what they've done is they have um, just individual bathrooms and... And that can be a good thing, but it's an elementary school. Right. So what happens when a, when a little one goes in there, maybe gets locked in? Right. Or, and actually what's happening is that the boys, some of them haven't mastered the art of of aiming. aiming. And so, so they've had, I mean, they really have had that <laughs> issue. Is, that is there. hilarious. So, so yeah. what you're telling me, okay, so what you're telling me is that they made it, made the individual bathrooms and so they're not like separated into units, boys and girls. Unisex. So yeah. that means a boy could go into a girl's bathroom because, because they're unisex. Mm-hmm. And oh, I never even thought about that, that they're mm-hmm. very messy then yeah, because there's yeah. not urinals. Yep. They didn't you know use and, urinals. And, and not? I don't think urinals are in there either, and oh, that's part of the problem. So yeah, I yeah. know that's something that yeah. that has happened, and yeah, interesting. That's happening right now. Interesting. Okay, I'm just going to take a pause here for just sure. a second. Here, Gina, we are talking with Gina Hinderer. Um, she is a 23 year veteran in the public schools, and is sharing with us some of the changes that she has seen from when she first began her teaching career 23 years ago to what she's seeing today. And the impact that that's what she's trying to share with parents is the impact that that's really having on our children's education. Because if they are, you know, basically learning from the perspective of um, whole language versus phonics, if they are um, rather than looking at a traditional social studies curriculum, they are now, uh, I think the standard that you read for us, Gina, was a kindergarten standard that said, you know, give examples of power, a, a, a power imbalance in your right. life. And I'm thinking, well, for kindergartners, that could be their own parents. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, really, what are we setting up here? We're setting up a dangerous precedent if we're trying to point out power imbalances to kindergartners. I mean, by all means, they need to have 
an adult that has obviously more power than them to be able to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are listening to Education America as we are discussing the ongoing changes in the classrooms here. So you were sharing with us um, some examples, too, of how the whole LGBTQ movement has had an impact on schools and um, in one certain district that I think you're familiar with, they've created a new policy where girls can, or boys can enter into a girl's locker room if they identify as a girl and vice versa. And, um, and how they tried to maybe then solve that in a new elementary school where they went for just unisex bathrooms, but then they're finding that, the problem with that is little boys, as we all know, I'm a mother of four boys. <laughs> they don't aim very well when they're that age. And what a, mm-hmm. what a practical problem to have on your hands then trying to solve one problem. You come up with kind of another. But all this to say, these are not the public schools that they were when you first started teaching right. 23 years ago. Right. You know, another thing I know you mentioned to me, Gina, before the show began is that you're seeing a lot of changes in the discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that there's a lot of emphasis now on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And um, that has been the big, big push of the last couple of years. It's actually been around for a while, but it really came to light more um, after the killing of George Floyd mm-hmm. and all of the movement to, you know, obviously rectify that. And so can you talk to us, though, about some of the negative consequences of that, though? Are we really helping um, the diverse minority groups by lowering standards for them on behavior and expectations and grading and coursework. And um, obviously, I don't believe we are helping them. I always believe that the best thing to do is to hold people to a high bar and help them achieve it. So tell us a little bit about some of the discipline changes that you've been seeing. Sure. I, I think... I think what I'm going to do is um, I'm, I belong to a group of teachers, and these teachers all don't necessarily agree with what's happening, but they really their their hands are tied because they're scared to say anything. They don't want to lose their job, uh-huh. and so one of them had sent something to me, and I I think what it does is it sums up discipline right now really well. Uh-huh. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to read what she wrote. Sure, um, go ahead. she just says that. Uh, in her school, they do conscious discipline, which is a very popular um, approach right now. It's called discipline. conscious discipline. Conscious discipline, mm-hmm. yes. Yes. But she said she doesn't drink the Kool-Aid. She has rules and natural consequences in her classroom. And she said, and I think this is really a good point, she said, this is a parenting problem first, a society problem second, and a school problem last. Mm. She said schools cannot win a battle against standards set by an an entire society. They're already battling their own school culture and society. Uh, And and it says it can't be fixed until America wakes up and stops making it okay to be disrespectful, to be violent, okay to commit crimes, you know, okay to go to school and cause chaos rather than learning. Mm -hmm. So she believes that it's way bigger than schools and I agree. Yes, I totally agree with her. Yeah. The the schools are just reflecting what the culture is indicating. Boundaries are Mm -hmm. so important. You Mm -hmm. know, just rules and then consequences Mm -hmm. and then accountability. Mm -hmm. If you do something, this is what's going to happen. It happened because of your choice. Right. So, well, a lot of the people that are pushing these policies on schools and on our culture, Gina, it's interesting. 
I bet if you ask them how they raise their own children, they have rules and boundaries and expectations. And so what's good for your own children is what you should assume is good for other children. There shouldn't be different sets of rules because you're thinking you're helping a a different group. Um, Yeah, I agree with that that teacher. That's very well said. And uh, one teacher in a classroom can't overcome a whole society. No, and I think too, so another thing that I did is I was a um, literacy program coordinator and I worked in St. Paul. It was a a contract uh, job. And I remember one time watching just chaos happening and I was trying to manage these kids and I said to the teacher, are you going to help me? You know, let's, let's fix what's happening right here. And she just, she's like, uh, it's out of control. It's beyond my control. What? And she's just going to let it go. Yeah. And she said, I'm just, I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to retire soon. I just, it's, it's a battle that she just wasn't willing to do. And those teachers need support. You know, they, they need support. They really do. Well, and this is the problem because the, the tools of controlling a classroom are being taken away from them. Right. I have interviewed, and I've actually shared this on air before. I've interviewed teachers coming out of a public school setting where they have told me that the policy of the school is that if a child is having a tantrum in the classroom, because, you know, now they're trying to intermix all of the children, even with EBD and that type Mm -hmm. of thing, into the mainstream classroom, um, that if a child has an emotional tantrum, they are supposed to exit the room with all the other kids. Don't remove the kid having the tantrum, Mm -hmm. but remove all the other kids. Well, talk about an interruption in learning. Yes. And I have heard this from multiple teachers Mm -hmm. coming out of the public school system. And when we treat teachers like that, of course they're going to give up. Mm -hmm. Of course they are. Mm -hmm. Of course they're going to leave the field in record numbers like what we're seeing right now. And we just covered that on a show a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I hope our listeners go back and listen to that. Um, Gina, you had talked a little bit about the stats on enrollment in the public schools and kind of how that is trending. Um, I think everybody I do have knows. some really good stats. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm happy to share those. that and on the teachers quitting their jobs and that type of thing. Okay. So according to the Minnesota Compulsory Instruction Compliance Report, this is some interesting data. In 2019-2020, there were 1,500,000 1, homeschooled children. Uh-huh. Then from 2020 to 2021, it jumped up to 30,955 wow. homeschooled. So it doubled. It doubled. It wow. Doubled. Yes. That's incredible. And then, you know, the, the pandemic hit and there was uh, distance learning. From 21 to 22, the numbers dropped to 27,801. However, what's interesting is that uh, private school enrollment has gone up. Now, according to the Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Journal, private school enrollment in Minnesota has jumped uh, 3,800 students last year and is now this year at its highest level in a decade. Wow. You know, so I think that That speaks volumes to to what's happening. And then homeschooling. Homeschooling is not, I think, what people think of homeschooling. You're not sitting at home around the kitchen table with your kids anymore. It can be quite quite a, a rich experience. Yes. And they're popping up all over the place. Yes. And, and micro schools too. Mm-hmm. I Pods. know our friend um, Alfreda Baldwin has started yeah. a micro school in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. And I believe that there are, <clears throat> excuse me, other pods out there all across the, all across the nation, really not just in the state of Minnesota. 
I know in you know I run Liberty Classical Academy and we often hear from families coming in to visit the school for prospective enrollment that the main reason why they are looking at the school is because they are very fed up with what is being taught in the public schools and the discipline being mm-hmm. taught. And then the lack, what happens is then the lack of academic rigor. Because with all the emphasis on DEI, there's only so much time in the day. And if you're going to approach every subject from that standpoint, and that's your number one goal and emphasis, then academics are sure to suffer. And that is what we're beginning to see in the test scores. And of course, the year of being online or the two years in some cases for some kids um, has decimated the test scores for mm-hmm. kids. Do you have some data on some of that or not? Don't worry if you don't. I mean, just know that there has been a huge... I do have test score. Um, a huge decrease in the testing uh, scores for the kids in both the math mm-hmm. and the reading yep. um, in Minnesota, but really across the whole nation. It's really a shame that the schools got shut down for so long. So the national report just came out, national report card, and it is un unprecedented drops across the country. The average score of a nine-year-old in 2020 declined five points and in reading seven points. It's the largest decline in reading since 1990 and the first ever decline in math. So in Minnesota, math proficiency went from, in 2017, it was at 57.6% and now it's 44.8%. In reading, it went from 59.3% proficiency to 51.1%. Now, here's an interesting thing. Can, I'm just going to read this. This yep. is from my teacher group, too. Okay. Uh, they wanted me to, they blame the lower test scores um, on no other than our government and the lockdowns yep. and the masking. 100%. Uh, dumbing, down, dumbing down the curriculum. Yeah. And it's not the kids. It's, it's not the teachers. It's no. what's happened. Yeah. Yep. You know what? I think that's an important point, um, I, especially given that we do have an election coming up in November. I think people need to think long and hard about how do they feel this pandemic was held because you went or managed, I should say, not held. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you hear some of the world leaders talking about the fact that there are going to be future pandemics and what have you, we need to really be asking ourselves, how do we want to be led if there is another pandemic, heaven forbid? And locking down and shutting down the schools and masking kids when they were at the least risk uh, for severe disease was the worst thing we could have done both for academics and for their mental health. And we need to be electing people who care about children and making sure they get the best education possible. And I, I do hope our listeners think long and hard about who they vote for in the voting booth this November with Absolutely. all of that in mind, because we these children are going to be paying the price for this for years to come. Many experts say they will never catch up. And these are, like you said, like your teacher friend said, it wasn't them. The kids mm-hmm. themselves are plenty intelligent. Right. They just weren't given the tools at the right time in the critical time of their development. And that is absolutely shameful uh, mm-hmm. for those kids and, and for the people who made these decisions. It's right. really wrong. Right. So, can, I, can I point out one, one positive, though, one thing that I think yes. has been a yes, good quickly. We've yes, got just a couple minutes here. All right. So this is in regarding in regarding grading. Uh-huh. So when the pandem- pandemic happened, the Minnesota Department of Education recommended that no student be given a failing grade and that there should be a new grading system with mm. policies that prioritize flexibility. And so they eliminated the F. They said anything under a C- would be a pass. Yeah. And, and 
long story short, parents push back on that. And I, I do want to say that I know in a couple of school districts, White Bear in particular, this year they've done a great job of making an effort to hold kids accountable and providing relearning opportunities in hmm. their new grading system. That's so, good. yeah, so I'm, I'm glad to see that. Yeah. Yep. So when you say they're providing new learning opportunities, but they didn't change their policy, it, you still don't get Fs in that no, district? No, actually, they did go back to, at least in White Bear, they went back to A, B, okay. C, D, and then no Fs. They'll do an I, okay. an incomplete, yeah. but then they have they provide opportunities for the students to relearn. Good, good. So. Well, on that positive note, it is yeah. nice to have one positive note today. And I do hope that our listeners will um, join us again next week when we have Gina Hinderer on again to continue this conversation and to also talk about some of the ways that you can get involved as a parent to make changes in your school district. So thank you, Gina, for being in studio with me today. And thank you to our listeners. And I hope that you will listen to this podcast or any other podcast at savetheclassroom.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And we'd love to hear from you as well. And we hope that you'll join us again next week at Education America on AM 1280, The Patriot. Have a good night. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.